Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Two thousand and ten. Okay, so Kanye West, my dark, beautiful, twisted fantasy, got voted by Complex today, the best album of the last ten years. So I was playing it today. I was, <laughs> what song? I was, was it boiling an it? egg in the kitchen, listening to all of the lights. I wasn't boiling egg today. <laughs> all of the like, lights. Duh, 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 duh. Yeah, every like every song, every song from the start to the finish. It's a masterpiece. Mm. I was like really happy to be reminded. You know, when there's like a perfect amount of time and you haven't listened to something. That you really appreciate it when you re-listen. Yeah, I haven't listened to the album in ages, but I was obsessed with Kanye when I was 16 or 17 with his 808s and Heartbreak album mm. and all the other albums. And then I've talked about this before. I've, I've gloated about this on the podcast before. But <laughs> I, um, I was at one of his OG rants when he um, came to perform in yes. Wellington, New Zealand, and then just performed about three songs and then ranted for the rest of the concert and then left. Did he? So when I mm. saw him the first time, Kim was there. So I was really excited because it was like spotting Kim in the wild. Mm-hmm. I don't think they were married yet. Yeah. And he, he, that was the concert where he like yelled at a person in a wheelchair to stand up. Mm. <laughs> he got in heaps of trouble. <clears throat> um, but I looked... Wait, say that again maybe and he got in heaps of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like you're dying. <laughs> That was when he like yelled at a person in a wheelchair to stand up and got in heaps of trouble. Yeah, sure. Um, but I was listening to this album and I don't know, this is like a really unpopular, or maybe it's popular, but no one wants to say opinion to have. That album's like perfect. And I was like, he definitely made this before he met Kim and he did. And it was just before he met her. And every everything about him has just gone downhill since that marriage. Sorry. I know, there's this thing about, I can't People remember. People are like, you can't say there's a Kardashian curse that's sexist. And I'm like, it's also true. <laughs> <laughs> I know, everyone they date. Oh, I mean, who else? I mean, Lamar. 
Lamar. You can't, yeah, you can't say. Scott Disick is like a borderline pedophile. Like everyone he I dates know. is 18 years and old. He's and he's in and out of rehab all the time. Um, Kanye. Kanye's just completely gone downhill. And and he just hasn't made music like that again. And I understand you have your peak and you create your magnum opus and whatever. But I just think it's interesting that all of the post-Kim music has been random. While we're on the subject of the Kardashians, <laughs> somehow, <laughs> I cannot believe that Chloe Kardashian has honestly gone back to Tristan Thompson. Are they back together? Yeah. Okay, so the Kardashians hasn't ended Right, like there's a final season coming that will be the oh, final here we go. season Conspiracy next year. Conspiracy theory? No, no, no. It's I'm just I, there'll be a lot in there because isn't there all these rumors that Kylie has fallen out with the family with Kim? Yes, that's why she didn't go to her birthday party. That's pretty apparently. red hot not to go to your sister's fortieth. Yeah, that's a bit naughty. And apparently the reason is because um, the family's worried about Kylie's spending because she's just buying everything in sight, which would be me. She's if I... burning through money. Mm. She always seemed like the sensible one to me. I don't know why I thought that. I thought she was financially savvy, but I guess that's because Forbes lied and said she was a billionaire when she isn't. Yeah. Anyway, so we wanted to touch on a couple of weeks ago, not last week's episode but the week before we talked about Camille Charrier's story about falling in love in her 30s and how she was tragic in her 20s she wrote it for Harper's Bazaar and it was this really amazing honest piece about how when she was in her 20s she just had no idea what she was doing with men and she would meet a random guy at a party and say that was the man she was going to marry and she got completely obsessed with this one guy and she was besotted by him and was telling all her friends she'd met her soulmate and was just obsessed with him and we talked about how everyone has been there and been crazy I talked about how one time I read the book The Secret instead of using it to I don't know get a good career and make millions I used it to try and get a boy called Sam Winniata to text he me loves it. <laughs> you have to say his full name he's, he's one of those people yeah. we need to come up with a name for those people and like trademark yeah it. and yeah he's just a guy that lives in melbourne that's friends with my friends now i thought of another crazy thing that i did that i neglected to talk about in the episode which i talked about in a very early episode of after work drinks for the og listeners but when i was in high school my high school boyfriend broke up with me for this like really pretty girl who we just joked about was like what does that mean to say? No, but everyone gets it. She was like hometown hot. Yeah, and I was I went fully crazy then. I was like embarrassingly. I used to it was like very early days of Facebook and I I think I'm so embarrassed about this. I have a Princess Diana embarrassing story okay. to make you feel better after this. He posted a photo with her and I I posted I wasn't even drunk because I was sixteen. Um, posted something stupid and then someone was like, Grace, just stop. Someone that was friends with Oh my me. god! <laughs> <laughs> what did you just I called we... her like a blonde slut or something like, <laughs> publicly yeah on, on fully oh on my Facebook God. because I think it was back it was when we transitioned from MySpace to Facebook and I still didn't know what was going I on I didn't fully get that yeah. anyone could <laughs> yeah. see it. so I'm still so humiliated by that oh yeah. my god oh my, oh my worst God. Facebook um thing was when my funny friend called Diggs hacked my Facebook account drunk and went down my timeline commenting on people's stuff. And she commented on these girls from my high school and wrote, you're all fugly. As I, I was like, Diggs, no one's going to find that funny. But I didn't know that. I didn't, I didn't know this had happened until they were commenting back calling me fugly. fugly. And like having a go at me and saying that I that like, would never liked me at high school and stuff. <laughs> 
we always knew you were a fucking bitch, Izzy. Yeah, they, li- they literally were having this go at me back, being like, we didn't even like you at high school. You're a fucking bitch. You think you're so cool. And then I was like, hey, um, my account got hacked, but good to know, know. Jodie. Good to know. My, my friend told me the other day about her embarrassing story, and she said that um, when this guy she was in love with in high school broke up with her, he put up a photo with a girl that he had left her for and that she commented on his thing. <laughs> um, blah, 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 Josh. It appears like you've got a c- hanging on the edge of your arm. <laughs> Okay, so we got a couple of DMs about similar um, similar situations. One reads, On the topic of crazy shit you did with guys when you were young, my best friend was obsessed with a guy she had very, very limited interactions with, hadn't even hooked up. <laughs> and one night after a night of partying, she came home drunk and started to stalk his photos. She was very deep in the photo history and she was so drunk that she, she somehow shared one of his early photos to her own Facebook wall. <laughs> Then she fell asleep. When I saw what she'd done the next day, I was trying to call and text her, but she was asleep. And so her photo stayed on her Facebook page. His photo stayed on her Facebook page until 1 p.m. the next day when she woke up and got all my messages. This was pre-Instagram when Facebook was still relevant, so a lot of people saw it. Not to mention he would have gotten a notification saying she had shared it. We never stopped laughing about it. Oh, that's That's so funny. Um, This one... I'd like to share this repressed memory of intense love connection. (laughs) (laughs) Which came back to me after this week's ep. When I was 19 and at uni, I met a man who was both a rugby player, vomit, and a DJ, vomit. (laughs) Why are our listeners like, how did they just find us? I know, we're the best um, genre of listeners. And had already graduated, but kind of hung around uni at events, question mark, question mark. I'm getting such a visual. I know, of him. I know. Yeah. He's like the honey badger when he was at the Bumble yeah. Bucky. <laughs> He's like a Cobra. I was absolutely obsessed and told anyone, everyone that I was in love with him. This man lived in a room with literal bunk beds and had sex with two of my friends, <laughs> but I thought we were destined to get married and name our children. I once even got an Uber from my flat in southwest London to a place he was at in Barnet, ages away. After a midnight up to text, and I called my mum in the 70 pound Uber back home the next morning as if I'd just been on a very romantic date. 70 pound Uber, $140. Oh, bunk with literal bunk beds. That's so That's my funny. favorite two words. The up to, and you're like, oh my God, he's realized we're destined to be together. We're in love. There was actually some on our Facebook page as well. I'm just scrolling to find them. I met the one on Tinder on the first date we vibed. And while he was in the bathroom, I naturally texted my bestie that I was in love. Except I didn't. I sent it to him by mistake. <laughs> while he's in the bathroom. Can you imagine? When I broke up with my ex, ex-boyfriend when I was like 22, um, he was texting my best friend, Ash. Um, just being like, how do I get Izzy back? Ra ra ra. She's such a bitch. <laughs> and then Ash... And then Ash screenshot his message and just sent it straight back to him. Oh, just, instead of sending it to you. Instead of sending it to me. Yeah. And then, um, she, but I think it was a couple of days later, because I think for some reason she wasn't texting me in real time, which is weird of her. But it was a couple of days later, and then um, she got away with it by saying, remember when you said this? How cute. And then he was like, yeah. <laughs> Boys. Dated fucking imbeciles. I did like a really stupid one where I, Zach had not, Zach was supposed to come meet me for dinner or something and he hadn't come 
and I went to I sent him a text saying I'm sad at you with like the sad face emoji and I accidentally sent it to my boss. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sad at you. That's disgusting. And then she was like, why? And then I was like, oh my god. And then I screenshotted it to send it to Zach, being like, I sent this to my boss and I sent it to her. <laughs> <laughs> that was really embarrassing. I was like, no, it was <laughs> so funny. I'm sad at you. Sad I don't know why that's so embarrassing to me. Um, so Dolly Parton's finding the coronavirus vaccine. We love it. So we love to see it. Dolly Parton's like. It's just funny because she just con- like contributed money towards the but search for a vaccine. She- but because it's her, I'm like willing to give the cure of coronavirus to her. No, but it's because one of her friends is one of the scientists working on it. Of course. And went to Dolly Parton and said, <laughs> Dolly, we think we've found a coronavirus vaccine. Will you help fund it? And she said, fuck yeah, and gave them all the money. And then my friend Jake messaged me and goes, it's the vaccine, the vaccine. <laughs> Maxine. How dare you claim Jake as your individual friend, Isabel Truman? <laughs> Do you want me to fucking kill you live oh, on air? Did, did he message you that? Yes. It was a group text. <laughs> it was literally a group message. <laughs> yeah, no. Exactly. I'm so happy for her. She's just the perfect celebrity. For I our love times. that she has a um, theme park. Do you think she's how much of what she does do you think is like cognitive PR strategy and how much of it is she's just accidentally awesome and people just respond? I think she's just accidentally awesome. She's just fully Have you seen, have you seen her before perform? No. I know you've seen her. So last Christmas we had like a, a ragtag Christmas at my dad's house. Yes. With my dad's friend Bill. And <laughs> and we ended up drunk watching YouTube videos. Oh, do we watch it? And we watch Glastonbury. Yeah, you you said I saw Dolly Parton. We should watch her Glastonbury gig, and we did, and it was oh, great. I was so drunk that I can't <laughs> even remember doing that. I was editing an afterwork drinks episode at the table. This is how uh, useless we used to be with our organisational skills. Yes. Oh. We also had a meeting this morning and decided that we might swap around the days that this episode's released eventually because it's. Yeah. Kind of a bit stressful being drunk every Monday afternoon and we don't actually need to do that. Yeah, we've realized that of all of like of almost any time you could pick to be a bad time to record a podcast like this, Monday at one PM is the worst. It's like literally the worst. The only thing that could be worse is like Monday at eleven AM. And also <laughs> recording it on a Monday is so stupid because we've just had the whole weekend where we're not really speaking or we're just getting drunk or doing our own yeah, thing. Yeah, hanging out and not doing work stuff. Whereas through the working week, we're constantly talking about like the news events of the week, which are relevant to this podcast. <laughs> and then it would be so much funner because we'll just get drunk on a Thursday afternoon evening and then release the podcast. We're going to swap the dates around. Okay. You guys okay, it's, all aware? Yeah, it's coming. happening eventually. It's happening at some That'll point. Be interview- and you'll, on prob- Wednesday. you'll probably have very little notice to be honest. <laughs> yeah. So keep this in mind. Yeah. Um, I was obsessed with Ivanka Trump's mate. Yep. Going haywire and writing a, a bitchy essay about her. This is the second bitchy ex-best friend essay in the last few years. The first being Caroline Colloway's. Oh, God, yeah. This is 
less explosive than that in a weird way, even though it's like the, the stakes are so yeah. much higher. Like nothing even <laughs> happened in Carolyn Colloway's life. I know. And that Natalie girl who wrote, the, who was Carolyn's best friend, wrote that she, what did she say? She said Carolyn locked her outside of the apartment, but Carolyn had just like fallen asleep and gone to bed. Natalie, and Natalie had gone to have a bus and like it had been unsuccessful, which is Natalie's fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's only because you would have been the one to fall asleep yes. and turn your phone off the other day. Grace message Grace sent me the podcast episode at literally like 9.59 p.m. And at 10 p.m. I said, hey, can you send me um, the different version of this? It's wrong. And I just heard nothing back for like a good hour. And I was like, I know that she just put her phone down and she's watching The Crown. So I had to message Zach. And I said, Zach, can you please get Grace on the fucking phone? And then she calls me and goes, I'm so sorry. I was watching The Crown. And that would be me if, if, if I needed you in a situation like that exactly so Ivanka Trump's friend ex-friend from school wrote a tell-all essay for Vanity Fair which it was okay let's be honest it was just being a bitch like there were no matters of like national importance that were covered in that essay it was like pure revenge because um everyone feels free to hate the Trumps now because they're out of office so in that sense, it was somewhat cowardly because it's like you've had all this time and she was powerful and you didn't. And now the second that she's been voted out, you're feeling comfortable to. Um, but I really enjoyed reading it. It just made her seem like an out of touch asshole, which I guess is not surprising. But it was like fun to, I guess, have that confirmed. Loathsome Woman Was Always This Loathsome was the cut article's title off the back of this essay which i sent to grace immediately because i love how much you I love had a, trolling I had a ivanka sent it to me they're like ivanka you're the only person in the world that cares about ivanka yeah um and then the cut was getting heaps of backlash for being um anti-feminist mm. which is funny because it's basically saying you can't if you're a feminist you can't dislike any woman no matter how horrible she is which i don't really stand by no it's like an extension of that emirata thing where Mm. people say as long as a woman wants to do it it's feminist yeah but i mean emirata at least at least what she's trying to do is reclaim her own body and her own sexual image whereas ivanka's just being an absolute dickhead people yeah but it's like that it's a continuation of that thinking which is like you can't criticize women for anything without it being sexist which is just so fucking bizarre because it's like if you do you think women are equal to men then women are equally responsible for their actions women women should equally be held to account women should equally be questioned for their behavior i just find it it's like a weird form of coddling to act as if someone is somehow like less responsible for the awful shit they do than their husband or father or brothers because they're women because they're a woman like how does that follow with anything that we're trying to achieve (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Politically, is yeah, it's just, it's just insane, um, and it's kind of interesting, I guess, watching The Crown, and how they depict Margaret Thatcher. Oh fuck! Sorry, I need to tell you the crazy Diana story, quickly now. Yeah, because it's about her being crazy to an to an ex to a guy. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. Just before when you said that you had a crazy story about a guy when you were younger. Yeah. Um, Princess Diana, right, was dating this man. But the man, so this is when she was, I think she was having an affair. She hadn't officially gotten a divorce from Charles yet. She was having an affair with a guy and then he wouldn't leave his rich wife who was funding his art gallery. Um, And his wife found out about the affair. So she was like, you have to cut it off from Diana. And he said, okay, cut Diana off. And then Diana allegedly called the house 20 times a night. (gasps) 
and wouldn't stop calling and calling and calling. And then when the when the wife would pick up, Diana would heavy breathe down the phone or hang up. <laughs> oh my god, she so did that. That's yeah, so yeah, yeah. on brand yeah. for her. Yeah. yeah, or hang up. And then um, so the <laughs> wife went to the police and got the police to investigate to find out where the calls were coming from. And ninety like ninety percent of the calls were coming from Kensington Palace. Kensington Palace. <laughs> and then the it. other um ten percent of the time, Diana would reportedly put on a wig and go to a pay booth payphone and call them on the payphone a wig that's so samantha jones of her yeah i just have to respect it and then yeah yeah. and then when she um when the newspapers reported on it because the newspapers got wind of it and reported on it and so she um can you imagine anything so she invited one of her journalist friends round, and she wrote in her own diary and said see i was busy at these times so i can't have called him (laughs) and then she said i don't even know how to use a payphone And this is why she's the most iconic woman yes. of the last 50 years. Yeah, back to Margaret Thatcher. Back to Margaret Thatcher. But it's like Margaret Thatcher in The Crown, played wonderfully by Gillian Anderson, is like a really good, I think, example of a woman who's in power, who does lots of really controversial, awful things, and is held accountable for them. And I find it interesting that people are fine to hate Margaret Thatcher, but like somehow bristle against hating Ivanka Trump. I'm like, is it because she's pretty well, th- pretty and young? It's like more difficult to accept the fact that she's also an asshole because we are so used to um, deifying women that look like her as being pure and good that it's more difficult for people to get their head around. I just don't understand it. I don't understand. Maybe I, this is just coming to my brain right now, but maybe people think that, well, I mean, I mean, and when you're relating her to Margaret Thatcher, What's a what? What are the horrible things Ivanka's done that have? Well, it depends. You know, Margaret Thatcher like left a country in ruins and started a war and stuff. It depends how like directly you want to blame Ivanka for her father's actions. Yeah. But I think that we are in general agreement that any person in the Trump camp that hasn't publicly denounced him supports yeah, what he's done yeah. you're not allowed to hate mitch mcconnell and rudy giuliani and eric trump and don jr and jared kushner and then say but maybe ivanka was arguing with him behind the scenes it's like no you have to have a, a rule that fits everyone but then also people don't have that rule for melania but i think melania has obviously just not given a shit about being involved in the yeah, day-to-day right. politics whereas ivanka trump has like an office in the east wing and has been doing all of this stuff is very melania is just like i just have to be here yeah melania sucks as well but i think ivanka has been so proactive she's a very 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 instrumental part of his regime right and his regime is literally responsible for like that video came out this week of a, a mexican mother being reunited with her like six-year-old daughter she hadn't seen for 14 months there's still 666 like children as young as infants who've been forcibly separated from their parents and are living in cage-like facilities on the mexican border it's disgusting and that's on top of all the other fucked up shit that donald trump has done like yeah. endorsing yeah, white yeah, supremacists yeah. and like gassing peaceful protesters yeah, yeah. like i'm not saying she should be held accountable for everything he does but I, I i find it interesting to dig a little deeper on why people are happy to hate all the old white men in his cabinet and then when it comes to her people are like wait no yeah <laughs> i don't like it i feel sorry for her yeah it's really interesting to me yeah she's making her own choices she's autonomous and it's like the galene maxwell thing where we said that we kind of fall into two camps with Ghislaine Maxwell, who was Jeffrey Epstein's 
accomplice where you either hate her more than him because you're like, you're a woman. How could you do this <laughs> to other women? It feels worse somehow, which isn't fair. Or you want to treat them as a vic- an extra victim of Jeffrey Epstein's and absolve them of responsibility. And I feel like with Ivanka, people are in the same difficult thing where they don't want to hate her as much as her dad or they hate her more than her dad because they're like, you're young, you're friends with Carly Kloss, you're a former Democrat, you're you went a woman. to the Met Gala, you're a woman, you're a millennial. How... At least Donald Trump has this excuse of age or he doesn't have an excuse, but you know, it feels somehow worse coming from her because you can kind of tell that she knows better, but then it's not fair to hold her to a higher account. I don't know what the answer is. I just think it's, I think it's interesting how people react to Ivanka. Yeah, me too. I'm not super, um, across her like like you are <laughs> commenting on all her instagrams yeah i don't really know all that much about it but i've always obviously if she works with trump in that capacity she's foul i love that carly Kloss finally came out swinging for the democrats she, she's been kind of like publicly pro-democrat yeah, for the thing but, but she I... never ever endorsed she that was the first time she actually endorsed joe uh someone running against trump i don't think she endorsed Clint- hillary clinton yeah no she did oh and did she she, she mar- her and jared marched at the oh, did anti-trump march oh yeah they've been like pretty against oh, them okay. for most of it yeah that's so that's so cute i know it's that's why i feel bad when people give a shit yeah for marrying jared yeah because yeah. like tavi gevinson who's like someone i quite like but she was going to town on her during black lives matter being like fuck you you're married to jared kushner and i was like that's kind of not Jared Kushner can't help Her who his fault, father is. He can't help who his brother is. And, and, and if they're, yeah, completely against what they do. It would just be the... It's ballsy to go out and publicly demonstrate against your brother and brother-in-law and sister-in-law's mm-hmm. thing. That's yeah. harder for them to do than anyone else to do. Yeah. So, leave Carly Kloss alone. Yeah, I, lo- I really like... Um... Yeah. I really like her. I think she's boring, but she's so smart. And she has she's that so smart. coding with Klossy thing. She's just yeah, cute. She's she just so cute. I, mean, I well. interviewed her once and she's really, really, really tall. I don't know why you're always so shocked about her being tall. She's, she's a supermodel. Six foot two. That's big for a supermodel. Yeah. She was in six inch heels. So that's like six foot eight. That's yeah. like a basketball player. It's massive. Yeah. She's so nice. Yeah. So lovely. Little muffin. Who's the nicest person you've interviewed? She'd be up there, actually. Gigi Hadid's really. I know. Really you know I was nice. going to say Bella Hadid <laughs> yeah. is, is like the standout nicest human being yeah. ever. Yeah. It was so funny because when I went into that interview, I had very low expectations. I don't know why. I just didn't. I just have never been super across Bella Kendall. Like I know, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, it's yeah. not my. I don't. Now I follow Bella on Instagram, but I don't follow the rest of them on Instagram or anything like that. Yeah. And then um, she was the nicest human being ever. She was just so sweet, so So you've chatty. interviewed Bella, I've interviewed Gigi, and we both interviewed Anwar. And Kendall. And Kendall, but like of the Hadids. Oh, of the Hadids, yeah. And um, they're like the nicest angels. People. This is why I have a weird investment in Gigi Hadid and her fucking muffin baby and like everything because she she's... A glorious human. She's so cute. I know. On to Lena Dunham, who's another divisive figure. She wrote a piece, uh, an amazing essay for Harper's Magazine on um, 
fertility and realizing when she would never become a mother. So a couple of years ago, she wrote a piece for Vogue um, detailing the hysterectomy she had to have as a result of her endometriosis, which she suffered from for years and years and years, and she was super sick. Um, And she ended up getting a hysterectomy, which she thought would mean that she would never be able to have children. So in this piece for Vogue, she was writing about how she was going to explore adopting and then one day she was going to figure out whether she actually could still have kids because there's this thing where you could still have a chance of harvesting eggs with her remaining ovary because your body still thinks it can produce them anyway. So then she found out that that was a possibility and she was super excited and dove headfirst into IVF. Um, She had a boyfriend at the time who was her first boyfriend straight after her relationship with Jack Antonoff. And um, she thought she was going to use his sperm, but then they eventually broke up. And then she just jumped straight into trying to find a donor um, really intensely. And then she said that she learned that none of her eggs were viable on Memorial Day in the midst of a global pandemic. Um, And that through this whole experience, she'd turned to all of these online support groups in a bid to be understood because she felt like the world had no space for the grief, pain, and rage that comes along with processing something of this magnitude. Uh, And then she recalls the doctor telling her that they were unable to fertilize any of the eggs. As you know, we had six. Five did not take. The one that did seems to have issues, and ultimately, he trailed off as I tried to picture it. The dark room, the glowing dish, the sperm meeting my dusty eggs so violently that they combusted. It was hard to understand that they were were gone. Um, So it's a really beautiful piece that she spent a year writing and then on instagram announcing the piece lena wrote i wrote this piece for the many women who have been failed by both the medical science and their own biology but who have been further failed by society's inability to imagine another role for them i also wrote this for the people who dismissed their pain and i wrote this for the strangers online some of whom i communicated with most of whom i did not who showed me over and over again that i was far from alone yeah, it's a really um, – I, I think it comes off the back of a lot of more open conversations about this issue, which obviously affects a lot of women. I think it's interesting the way that IVF has – it's obviously fantastic and has allowed so many women to conceive who wouldn't previously have been able to, but it obviously also has this added side effect of – making women who go down that route and don't succeed feeling like further failures because Mm. it's it's like so many other things that happen in society now with the addition of technology is that there becomes this like added pressure that if you're not pursuing all of the technology as far as it can that you're not trying hard enough or if you do do all of that and then it doesn't work you feel like a more it feels like more of a failure and that's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and so much stress injecting yourself with needles, round-the-clock monitoring. Yeah, and there's been so many women, I think everyone knows colloquially, who've spent twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 on IVF and the process of IVF, which is no caffeine, no alcohol, no sugar, daily injections, financial stress, physical stress. Stress on your relationship. Stress on your relationship, only to give up and then fall naturally pregnant later because, like, the whole that whole process just wrecked your nervous system or whatever. It's a really common thing and a really awful thing. And I think it's fantastic that Lena Dunham is talking about it. And it makes me sad to read about the way that it's just become another avenue through which women 
are given an opportunity to beat themselves up for feeling like their body's failing them or they're not doing enough or they're not trying hard enough or there's something wrong with them, Mm. which just makes me sad to read. It reminds me of this article that um, my former colleague at Marie Claire wrote a couple of years ago um, about egg freezing. Mm. And she wrote it off the back Mm. of Australia's first dedicated egg freezing clinic, which opened in 2017. And she went to one of the egg freezing clinics and went to one of the meetings with the um, doctors and learned all about it from them. And it's kind of, it was just scary because the way that they're marketing it is being as kind of promoting the procedure as an insurance policy against infertility mm. to all of these young women or older women or women who um, aren't ready to have kids yet or women who want to keep focusing on their careers. And actually now there's a lot of big companies who will pay their employees who are women to get to freeze to freeze their eggs so that they keep working until these years until later in life which is quite scary because the actual statistics of how often um it works when you go to use your eggs is like still quite low which is quite intense so yeah most fertility specialists recommend undergoing the treatment before turning 35 I think the thing that's difficult that me and you have talked about so many times, and I this is something I think about a lot, is that there's all these cultural conversations we have about feminism and that they they always just butt heads with these like inescapable things about our biology that just make making this conversation work so complicated because like they're just I remember the time where I realized that women I knew who were my contemporaries who were young, who were 32, 33 were going through like private personal agonies trying to get pregnant. And that Mm. was the most astonishing thing to me. Yeah, so women's fertility, sorry to freak everybody out, starts to decline at age 22, dropping significantly at 35, 38, and 40. While we're born with 2 million eggs, we lose 90% of them by the time we're 30. And this is what's so difficult and complicated is that we don't like no one wants to scare manga women into getting pregnant early ever no. because it can encourage women to settle for bad abusive or just not satisfactory relationships it can encourage women to like stunt their earning potential it can encourage women to divert the course of their careers it can encourage women to be basically end up in a much worse financial situation than they would if they waited an extra five years it's just this is what's so unfair about this system is that the key years that we're talking about in terms of fertility are also the exact years that you thrive in your career yeah 26 to 35 is like the decade where you make the the necessary moves to end up where you want to be at 40 right so if you have to take those years out for like child raising um keeping in mind that a lot of women who go back to work after having children their salary covers their childcare. Like they're basically breaking even. That's how expensive childcare is. The predicament that puts women in, it just feels so inescapable. And I just don't know what the answer is to it because like we get sold things like egg freezing and IVF and this technology as this thing to make us not worry about the reality of um, our own biology And then you read essays like this by Lena Dunham that are so heartbreaking and awful and you can palpably feel the pain of like her and so many other women that have gone through this thing where they feel desperate to have children and now can't. Mm. And you then kind of panic in the other direction of being like, oh my God, if if this is something that we think we really care about, should we all just be 
freaking out having a kid right now you know like it, it, it i don't know how to say it in a way that's like politically correct or whatever because i don't i don't know what the answer is but i just think it's like every single woman is on some level going through this thing if you have a baby at 28 if you want to have kids yeah if you want to have kids like yeah. but even if you don't know if you want to have kids the biological thing has you thinking about it yeah even if you wouldn't be thinking about it otherwise but yeah. you're like wait do i know if i want to have kids maybe i don't know i don't i definitely don't want to have kids but what if i do want kids in five years should i have kids now or like what if i regret it or whatever and then people who have kids young i have friends who've had kids young who then feel like they didn't get to dedicate the time to their career that they wanted to and then they regret that and then you have friends who have wait until they're in their mid to late 30s and they think what if i you know it's just it's this really inescapable thing that women are just going to continue grappling with because there's no there's no answer to it it's really unfair it's like so unfair i just don't even know how you could change it to make it better because that's the thing like as, as soon as you unless every woman in the world got pregnant at the same age and all took the same amount of time off and then could all go back to work and workplaces would allow them to come back and tr- retrain them and pay them the same, like pay them what they deserve. It's just, it's just fucked because if you decide to have kids young and you're like, that's what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to go back into the workforce and yeah, or if the government subsidizes childcare time, yeah. then you go back and all these other women who haven't decided to have kids young are way ahead of you in their careers and you just can never catch up and it's just this it's... and we can speak to with our personal experience that maternity leave presents an opportunity for upward mobility for young women you know what yeah, i mean yeah. like think yeah. back either us personally or how many people we know have got big breaks in their career because someone went on maternity, someone went on maternity leave. leave yeah like it's a complicated messed up difficult situation and it'd be so stressed being on maternity leave with a new baby thinking oh my god is my job even going to be there when i get back yeah, like what legally it will be but yeah um i thought it was interesting how lean dunham talked about being a really bad friend as she was told she was and which i can imagine she was knowing mm. what we know about her but also being in an awful situation but um how her friends were all getting pregnant at this time and how it made it really difficult for her to be a good friend to them and how it affected a lot of her friendships that she couldn't be supportive in the way that yeah maybe they wanted her to it's such a hard thing because i was i think i was listening to something the other day talking about how chrissy teigen's shared her stillbirth photos on instagram and how people how women should share that they're pregnant with their friends who have just had a miscarriage and it's kind of mm. it's the same thing where when you're I think it's it's the same thing when you're going through anything traumatic and you go on somewhere like social media and people are going in the opposite saying something the complete opposite so it's like for example on father's day when your dad mm-hmm. is dead mm-hmm. you it's horrible so mm-hmm. you just so but then you know that that's coming so for like the first four years after my stepdad died I would delete Instagram before every father's day and I just wouldn't go on it at all and then I'd safeguard myself. But with something like pregnancies, if you're going through IVF, if you just found out you can't have children or you've just had a miscarriage, you don't know when someone, when you're going to scroll, when you're going to refresh your feed and there's just going to be another we're expecting post, which would be really triggering and triggering and really saddening. But then... What's the alternative? What's the alternative? <clears throat> and I remember when um, Leandra Medine wrote that piece for Man Repeller after Beyonce announced her pregnancy... She wrote an essay about how she felt that those kind of over-the-top stylized pregnancy announcements were selfish because she'd been going through this awful private IVF infertility struggle 
um, and that it had made her feel really, really awful about herself. And she got a lot of backlash for that because people said, you know, if everything we posted on social media, we posted keeping in mind the one person that's going through something awful where this is going to upset them, like social media couldn't exist. But at the same time, it's, it's like so many women go through this thing privately, which is this massive, massive thing. You know, mm-hmm. and, and no one knows about it because they're not going to post publicly saying, oh, I just found out that I might be infertile. Like, here's <laughs> a picture of me at my scan, which has nothing on it, you know. So it's like that problem of social media really only exists to post good things is going to make like a lot of women feel bad. But I don't know. What but the that's what we, is. we just yeah. need to we need to which I think has been coming for ages. Everyone's everyone is sick of Instagram being a highlights reel. Mm and that's the reason that Gen Z is leaning more towards TikTok and all these other platforms that are less curated and less perfect and pretty and filtered. Um, and I think it's us. We're, we're this weird age group mm. where we are still stuck in the Instagram aesthetic of these pretty curated things that just doesn't really do much to help anyone. Mm. And it makes sense to share more of the... I mean, I'm not asking women to share if they if they um, found out that they can't get pregnant. But, like, friends of mine have recently been sharing things about losing loved ones or grieving or parents dying or parents mm. being sick. And those are the moments that actually bring you together. Those are the moments that you connect with other people. That's when you'll actually have a human connection beyond being like, congrats, beautiful ring. I don't know. It's just, like, it's, there's – it's again, there's so many parts of this conversation that are just inescapable – that you can't fix because there's no way around them. You know what I mean? And that's what I think is kind of why it's so interesting to talk about and why it's so great that Lena Dunham has been so open about this as messy and as like chaotic and complicated as it is, um, is because we still see it so rarely and it is opening up and it is just difficult. It's like, you know, it's great to see people sharing about their pain, but we, a lot of people would feel really uncomfortable doing that. So it's like, we don't expect, we shouldn't expect people to yeah have to go out that. of their comfort yeah. zones to post about them like deepest darkest most awful moments with strangers potentially but if people want to do that it's really helpful to people as well it's just sad and we're sorry to lean it on him she just had like a fucking rough rough go go hey yeah i feel like jack antonoff was the love of her life oh jada Okay, so back to Princess Diana. <laughs> back to what we've been bursting at the seams to talk about this whole time. Should we make another drink, do you reckon? Yeah. Do you want one? Yeah. Yeah. Can Yeah, I think that's out too, but see how you go. They should just sell it on its own. This was our theme song. Oh, it's so different without the olive. It's young, yeah. Oh, I can't believe it makes such a difference. Yeah. I might put the heater on, I'm cold. How much? So wait, four shots of gin. Three shots of gin. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Four and two. Four, two, one. Yeah. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Okay, we've got our second martini and we're on to talk about the same thing we talked about last week. Yay! But there's more info. Yes. So when we were recording, okay, it was before we just didn't notice, um, there was a news story that broke about Princess Diana that her infamous 1995 panorama interview with Martin Bashir was acquired through illegal means where people are saying that Martin Bashir, who's the journalist who got the interview, presented her fake bank statements saying that people in her staff were being paid to spy on her and that it fed into her paranoia and that was why she agreed to do the interview in which she said among other things that charles was bussing camilla that charles should never be king yeah that she had bulimia that she used to self-harm it was like very explosive and it's what uh basically made the queen be like fine you can get divorced yeah i think actually that might have been Nolan that Martin Bashir did that and he was fired from the BBC. But I think the big drama right now is the BBC was being investigated internally, like about the whole thing. Mm. And then they said that they lost, there was a note from Diana confirming that she was keen to go ahead with the interview and then they said they lost it and then they miraculously found it last week. So it was this big drama with the BBC being dodge. But in this podcast that I've been listening to, which Heaps of heavily our listeners, recom- heavily, heavily recommended, recommended yeah. by listeners, called You're Wrong About. They did a five-part series on Princess Diana, and I've been binging the shit out of it this week. Um, they said that at the time, Martin Bashir and everyone who was interviewing Diana at the BBC didn't tell the wider BBC team that they were doing it. It was all hush-hush. Diana didn't tell her press secretary or anyone, because if the wider BBC had found out it would have gone back to the royals and the royals would have shut it down which is fucked as well how much power the royals have over the media Mm. and like diana legally should be allowed to speak because she's a public person who's paid for by the taxpayers or whatever Mm -hmm. so quite juicy but then basically uh both of us have been listening to this you're wrong about podcast both of us have finally finished uh the crown season four and also, I went on this um, insane... personally has been down a, like, rabbit incel hole. YouTube rabbit hole full of conspiracy theories yes. about Diana. Our local coffee shop are, like, 9-11 truthers and also think that Princess Diana was killed. They've got, like, all this paraphernalia up about oh, it. Oh, I need to go have coffee there. Yeah, we've been um, before. You just missed it. No, so I went on on Saturday. I was watching The Rest of the Crown and then went on this... Um, binge and started watching this documentary called Unlawful Killing, which was funded by Mohammed Fayed, who's Dodi Fayed's dad. And Dodi Fayed died in the car with Princess Diana um, in and Paris. His dad owns Harrods. Harrods and Harrods have this like 
obscene gold statue of Diana and Dodie made out of like bronze dancing over a waterfall. In Harrods. In Harrods. Mm. <laughs> I have to go see it. I've seen it once. It's really um, insane. Yeah. So he's who introduced Dodie and Diana. And he Di- fully believes, right? And he fully yeah. believes that they were murdered by the royal family. So he paid for this documentary to be made. Um, because basically he had he has a few reasons for thinking. There's, I'm going to run you through all of the things okay. that like happened in the it documentary. Which made me believe... That the royal family killed Diana. And then since then... You're going to be assassinated on your way home from this recording. (laughs) I know. And then since Saturday, I've kind of come around again. And I don't know if I believe it. Okay, so... Basically, Mohamed Fayed's whole thing was that the establishment, the royal family, could think of nothing worse than Diana marrying Dodie and having a kid with him. A Muslim kid. He thinks because they were Muslim, right? That they had a special... Yes, and also because Diana was wanting to move out of the country and move to LA. Not unlike Harry Oh my and God, Megan. she's going to move to LA. She's That's gonna... chaotic of her. Well, she just wanted to get out of the UK because they were harassing like her. LA. What, Diana getting a Joe and the Juice? <laughs> Diana at Five Guys getting a bacon Leave cheeseburger. Um, and then, okay, so basically when the car crashed... Diana was alive and alert at the scene. Mm-hmm. It was 37 minutes before they took her out of the car, even though the back of the car was fine. They could have gotten her out. 80 minutes before they went to the hospital. Yeah, so like, that's chaotic. So 37 minutes to take someone out of the car when they're alert and conscious and could be dying. That is wild. 80 minutes then that she was in the back of this ambulance before they took her to the hospital. And then one hour and 43 minutes to get to the hospital in the ambulance. Yeah, that's, that's weird. insane. Anyway, then she died. And what they were saying is that in the... T- so what happened is once they did this inquest into Diana's death, the jury ruled that it was an unlawful killing. That's why the documentary is called that. So they never ever said it was an accident. They never ever said the paparazzi were involved. They just said it was an unlawful killing to do with the other cars in the tunnel. And there was a car in the tunnel that it was a Fiat Uno coming towards them. Mm-hmm. And then the crash occurred. And so basically these conspiracy theorists are saying that whoever was driving the Fiat Uno shone this really bright light into Diana's oncoming car and then the car crashed into the tunnel and they all died. And then a few years later, a few years later, a guy who was involved with the M16 who owned a white Fiat Uno was found um, dead with two bullet holes in his head and on fire in the French countryside. Oh my God. This is true. Also... M16 said in the inquest that they've never killed anyone and then two former workers said that that's bullshit and that they've assassinated people before and one was in a car crash in a tunnel with a bright light shot into the car. Um, Something else that's like very massive obviously is that Diana wrote a note to her butler saying that her husband was planning a car accident to seriously injure her so that he could marry. And police kept that note a secret for three years. Well, this is the thing that was in there. So the so Channel 4 have done this documentary, which is why there's renewed interest in the pan- Panorama interview because they've done this documentary into the BBC's conduct around this interview. And in that documentary, they talk about how Princess Diana got together her, lawyer, her, uh, her personal lawyers and someone else a week before the Panorama interview and got them to take notes. And what she had them write down was that she had it on good authority that the royal family were planning an assassination of her 
and that she needed to get the truth out there before they managed to knock her off or she needed to get the truth out there so it would protect her from being attacked by them. And they use that as an example of how like emotionally unstable she was before the interview. And how paranoid she was. And paranoid and therefore they should never have done the interview because she was obviously so mentally unhinged. But then I was like, isn't it kind of sus that she was getting her lawyer to write that down and that she was saying all of that stuff and within eight months she like suddenly died? I don't know. Yes. And um, <laughs> you're like, yes, it yes. certainly is. And her phones were tapped mm-hmm. by um, watch who she thinks is the royals. And basically another massive thing that seems to have been a contrib- well, this is what conspiracy theorists think, is basically Diana got really, really involved with um, the campaign to stop the use of landmines, which mm-hmm. militaries use, and she went to all of the areas which got global press coverage. You'll remember all of the images. Mm. They were everywhere. And obviously this, the, the landmine industry, the military, the military industrial complex, makes millions of dollars for the UK and the US who would sell those landmines. Mm. And so basically, basically she was fucking off a lot of people by bringing press attention to this. Mm. And um, she got a threat from a man saying to her about this, like telling her to stay the fuck away from landmines and said, don't mess with things you don't know about. Accidents can happen. And she was killed three weeks before a huge landmine conference, which she would have attended. But because she didn't, no press covered the event. It's just it's, our episode's gonna be called Diana Was Murdered. I know. Um, um, yeah, so she told heaps yeah. of friends that she thought she was gonna be killed. She told her lawyer that Prince Philip wanted to get rid of her. Also, in the documentary, it's so funny. They um, they hone in on the fact that Prince Philip was literally raised by Nazis in Germany. Oh, Jaro, Prince Philip, no. <laughs> I know. It's so awful. You remember what happened to his sister in the crown? Yeah, I've really forgotten. Yeah. She was like German royalty and she got chopped up during World War Two, and their plane crashed. And when they found the body, she'd given birth on the plane as it was crashing. And that was his only horrible. remaining siblings. Yeah, and then they find there's this photo of him walking with the Nazis and they zoom on it. Oh like, my God, he was like 11. They zoom in on it like seven times and um, <laughs> highlight him. It's so funny. I was like, we've seen this photo before. Um, <laughs> okay, so then I... Um, it was like a hungover girl on Saturday night. Um, convinced the royals murdered Diana. Okay, hi, hello. This is Izzy from the future. I'm just going to put a disclaimer in here um, because I can feel everyone rolling their eyes. I don't actually think the royals murdered Diana. I just feel like this is an interesting thing to talk about. I think that Muhammad Fayed really misses his son and it's really horrible that his son died in this crash and no one talks about it and he thinks that there was something sinister going on. But just disclaimer, disclaimer, sorry about all my conspiracy theories. It's just like interesting to talk about. Um, And there were so many weird things that happened, especially with Diana literally saying she thought she was going to be killed. But I don't think the Queen did it. And also I finished the You're Wrong About Episode 5 podcast, which I probably should have done before we recorded. And they said that in France, um, it's customary to try and treat at the scene when you're in a crash so emergency response team will try and treat people as much as they can without moving the body and without transporting them to hospital um whereas in like the uk and the us and australia and new zealand it's rushed to hospital as fast as you can so that kind of debunks one thing which muhammad definitely would have been told a lot of times and chose not to put in his youtube documentary (laughs) i think that i think that the thing that's un irrefutable 
about Diana is that a huge reason why she died when she did was because she, the royals withdrew security and protection from her. So after her divorce, she was stripped of her title, her Royal Highness, and that meant that she got none of the access to, like, the really sophisticated secret service that are meant to protect royals. And so she was basically hiring a bunch of cowboys that she just met who were, like, private firms. So I think whether or not anything nefarious on purpose happened, it was, like, the royals being bitchy and petty and refusing to give her the security that she needed that either way like mm. played a big part do you remember the movie the queen yeah i don't know if i've seen it it's got helen mirren in it but what's so interesting about it is that the queen refused to come and speak to the english people after princess diana died for seven days or something for ages and at the peak of people's anger at her i think like 60 percent of brits said that they it was enough to make them want to give up the royal family wow it was like massive and that was like a big part in the movie and i'm pretty sure the guy who made the queen made the crown as well um but yeah people like she literally was this is this funny thing that i find funny that they've done with megan as well where it's like diana made the royals interesting and relatable she was the best pr they've ever 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 gotten she was the reason – you see it in The Crown where they go to Australia and Australia wanted to become a republic and they fell so in love with Diana that they were like, no, we're going to stay. Yeah, yeah. And they just completely mistreated her, never valued her, got annoyed at her. And it's like they've done the same thing with Meghan. Meghan was the injection of excitement and glamour and interest and modernity that everyone has been craving from the royals. And they've just fucked her off as well. I'm like, when are you guys going to learn? Mm. Yeah, it's it's so... Now you look at the royal family, without now that you've seen them with Meghan and Harry, and now without them, I'm like, you guys are so fucking boring. I could not yeah. give a list of a shit what Kate and William are doing. No. Or what their kids are doing. Exactly. It's just so... And I don't understand how they have no one in that office that can read a room and say, okay, we're a socially progressive society now that is very, very interested in institutional racism and elitism and the concentration of corporate wealth and billionaires and elite, like inherited money and all of this stuff. These are all massive social issues that people are finding despicable. You're like the whitest, richest, most elitist <laughs> institution on the planet. Racist. Yeah, racist. Why would you not embrace having this one person that counteracts all of those criticisms <laughs> for you? Yeah. It's the, most, it's the easiest thing ever. Yeah. They're just so stupid. They're so stupid. It's so, funny that I said The Crown. I thought The Crown was propaganda because that season made me really dislike the royals. Mm. But the cousins... Yeah, I know. Oh, my God. I, that yeah, the fact, yeah, the fact that they it's hid revolting. two of their cousins who were... Um, mentally unwell in mental institutions to stop the public finding out uh, that they were related to the royal family. Does and that, that they not found... make you believe the Diana thing? And they found out and they still did nothing again. Yeah. It's just so despicable. And then I was laughing so hard at myself saying that it was propaganda for Prince Charles because in the last two episodes he just comes across as like a monster. Yeah. 
And I was like, he's not going to be happy with this. And okay, I need to caveat and... my conspiracy theories, obviously, because there'll be so many people like livid right now. I don't know. People will be livid that I think the rules. We're just having a Maybe. little chat, okay? We're not. But also, yeah. so then in the the fifth episode of the You're Wrong About podcast, I'm only halfway through. But basically, they say that in the Unlawful Killing documentary, they said that there was the coroner. Is that who does the autopsy? Mm-hmm. Um, was this woman who had links to M16, and 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 the coroner's report was like absolutely bungled. Like they did a report on the wrong body at the start for the driver. It was just an, an insanely messy situation. But basically, in the You're Wrong About podcast, they said that the driver was really really drunk on nine whiskey shots, had no food in his stomach which also seems so fucking outrageous um and then was going a hundred miles per hour in the tunnel when he crashed to try and get away from the paparazzi and then crash into the tunnel so there's are you just it's all just such a mess so i remember reading tina brown's book about it and i remember it being that he he had not that much to drink yeah like he had a couple of drinks yeah. but not like nine shots of whiskey is insane that doesn't make any sense it even a big tank of a man would be like visibly drunk off nine shots of whiskey if people wouldn't get in the car and let him drive yeah especially with the fucking princess yeah so who knows but it is very sad and a few other tidbits from the you're wrong about podcast is that prince charles likes being called arthur when he comes that's like so 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 random it's yuck um and how tina brown keeps talking about how diana was dumb in her book yeah, and Tina Brown was friends with Diana, which makes it even funnier. She was so mean. Will you write that about me in my biography? You'd be like, Grace was so stupid. <laughs> yeah. I love Tina Brown so much. I really want to get her on our podcast. But I found out recently, which makes me really sad, that her husband died. He died recently? Yeah, like a month ago. Oh, that's but he was 92. Oh, yeah, because he's much older, right? Yeah. yeah. The royals are apparently really pissed off about the season of The Crown, which... Understandably. <laughs> I was like, oh. I was, like, looking into it about the defamation laws. Because how can you just do a full show on someone who's still alive that's fiction? Yeah, that's what, that's why I think that they're, like, the reason it's so bad for the royal family is that The Crown's research people are famously so, so so hectic that like obviously certain things they're taking creative liberties with but almost everything has some sort of factual basis so they can't, yeah so. so that's the worst thing about it is that they can't even argue against it and i think it's funny i think this season is funny because i think that maybe they were getting criticism for being too soft on them because they're obviously very pro-royal so maybe they had pressure this season to be a little bit more objective Mm. And then the royals just came across so badly. Yeah, they, they just do. Seem they do awful. They just seem like an awful, horrible group of people who are just so detached from reality and like uncaring and unkind. And um, it would just be really, really, really shit though. Imagine being Harry and William. Apparently, Harry. So William has spoken out in favor of the BBC inquest into the Panorama interview. And Harry, according to reports, and Meghan have been, like, following along closely. They're very interested in it because I think they both feel like she was done wrong by that interview. Yeah. Which is but really imagine... sad. I personally, honestly, like, I know I don't know that much about it, but I know Tina Brown has said this too. I personally don't fully buy that she was tricked into doing an interview. Like, it seems like she was pretty determined no, yeah, same. To do yeah, one. Yeah. yeah, I think she wanted to get her side out because... Um, Which is totally... What they say enough. in this podcast is that 
uh, Charles's approval ratings. So basically Charles had just released this biography, which was just a stupid, boring thing. Mm. And it's so funny. So D- Diana, I love her. She's mm-hmm. an incredible person, but she, she, she is a very complicated woman as well. So yes, she thought she fully that, played the media game. She played the media game, but she also, for example, thought that Charles was having an affair with the new nanny mm-hmm. when there's no basis to it. Um, and, she leaked a rumor to the press that the nanny was pregnant with Charles's baby and had to get it aborted, mm-hmm. and which wasn't true. And then she walked up to the nanny at a party and said, sorry to hear about the baby, and made her burst into tears and run out. And, like, calling this guy 20 times at night yeah, when he's yeah, at home yeah, with his kids. Chaotic, yeah. yeah, she's chaotic. But um, so Charles's biography came out, and the royals were playing the PR game to make Charles seem like the good one out of this divorce. And on the night of Charles's biography being released was the night that Diana wore that black LBD revenge dress to an event that she'd initially said she wasn't going to go to and then she found out that it was the night his biography was being released and she put that dress on and went to the event so that she would make the headlines of the papers <laughs> she's, she's iconic yeah but um I just think imagine how crazy it would be to have lost your mum at that age mm. And then for everyone to be talking about her again, for everyone to be talking about her having affairs, for everyone to be talking mm. about your dad having affairs, for everyone to be talking about her death, for everyone to be con- um, speculating, me included, about your family's involvement in her death. It's it's so yeah, crazy that, that these guys are like our age. And their stepmom is Camilla. Like Charles has been married to her for 15 years. You yeah. know what I mean? These are all like present people in their yeah. lives still. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's really so wild. wild. It's funny to me that Queen Elizabeth has been this like bland, um, purposefully uncontroversial, duty bound, quiet person for ninety five years, and that her <laughs> kids have just like wrecked havoc on everything. Yeah, like they've just—it's just chaos. It's like chaos beyond anything you can imagine. Prince Andrew. Prince Andrew is like literally a pedophile. Um, I mean, Anne is, like, boring. Edward's boring. But Charles is crazy. And Camilla and, like, Diana is just... And it's funny that they wanted him to marry Diana because they thought she was this quiet little wallflower. I know. <sighs> Intense. I watched Diana in her own words yesterday. So I watched, I watched The Crown season four. Mm-hmm. I watched Diana in her own words. I mm-hmm. listened to a five-part document... I, podcast series on Diana. Mm-hmm. And then I just watched Unlawful Killing on YouTube. <laughs> This is like the YouTube algorithm in action. It's getting like more and more extreme over time. Yeah. Um, Off to bomb the palace. Yeah. I did the, I just watched the channel four thing and listened to that podcast, which was really, really good. Um, yeah. And I was meaning to, but I forgot rewatch the highlights of the Prince Andrew <laughs> BBC interview. Oh my God. Don't. It's such an embarrassment. When he said he doesn't sweat anymore because he has a condition from when he was in the like the army. Falklands War. And then yeah. he um, was seen leaving all these nightclubs in London profusely sweating. I just think, I think that the Prince Andrew interview is like such a good indicator of that family. Like we talk so much now about like wealth and privilege and whiteness and all of this stuff and... Like, I've never seen a more grotesque example of someone that thinks that their money and background exempts them. exempts them from any kind of responsibility. Like, it was just this disgusting detachment from, like, 
real life where he genuinely thought that the general public was stupid enough to believe him and that he'd somehow outfoxed people by saying these completely nonsensical embarrassing things i just couldn't believe it to watch it and i was like is this literally what this family is like yeah it's just foul and i i fully appreciate like my family are very pro-monarchy and i felt like i was until recently i fully appreciate that the queen has like literally spent her entire life like until two years ago she was spending 360 days of the year or something doing royal engagements she's very obviously not a person that's in it for personal fame or wealth or whatever she believes in the duty of the crown and serving the english people um but it just like the more and more you learn about it you're just like how does this institution fit in modern life anymore it is so beyond that we have kings and queens yes yeah, that's what i mean it's just not, I know, it's it's like Think about King Henry VIII in like yeah. the fucking 15 or 1400s or wherever the hell he was alive <laughs> with his like 500 wives. And that's, we still have kings and queens to this day. Yeah. And it I, makes absolutely no sense. I really do think the only reason that the royals have stayed as long as they have is because there's like this massive, massive amount of respect for Elizabeth II. Mm. Um, that's like a common theme across all my all my family. It's like, oh my god, but she's been this thing. She's also portrayed so well in The Crown, though. I don't... Yeah, she's like... I don't get her character. Every scene, I'm like, what's your deal? Like, I love Olivia Colman. I've been rewatching Broadchurch. I love Peep Show. She's a genius. I'm like, what... What is this character? She's supposed to just be this dowdy old woman just trying to that do does her duty. Nothing. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's but, crazy. That, but she's portrayed so well. You see you know how they Yeah, yeah. How they do the do the sorry for anyone who hasn't watched The Crown, but the, why haven't you? But they do this um, episode where a guy breaks into Buckingham Palace yes. and comes into her bedroom yes. and she wakes up and has this cordial conversation with and him. And she's like, oh, wait, is life shit if you're poor? I didn't know. Yeah. And it's like, I was fuck like, off. I if that yeah. fucking happened. <laughs> that, when you watch that, you're like, oh, come on. Come on. Yeah, 100%. Who's Billy Joel? Yeah. yeah. I was like, fuck <laughs> off. That's what I mean. Like, it's like, it's like Olivia Coleman being like, oh, what? Little old me, the queen. Oh, I don't know. Sorry, I'm just here. I'm I like, don't know who my favorite child is. Yeah, I'm like, what is this? Like, what is this characterization? It's like characterization by refusing to characterize her because she's so bland. It's like, okay, we can make Charles out to be an asshole and Philip to be an asshole and Diana to be kind of an asshole and, and like Anne to, to be, be crazy. an asshole and Margaret to be a prick. Mm. <laughs> but the queen's just personalityless. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, but anyway, I, I, it'll be very interesting if Charles becomes king. Well, who else will be? Well, he will not pass it along. Yeah, but he should because it's like... But also William's fucking boring as well. But at least people are like, kind of interested Diana's in Kate son. and the babies and... Yeah. Charles just inspires like nothing in anyone. Give it to Harry. No one will turn up. People will turn up to his coronation, but it won't be. People will be like, okay... Be on all the coins. That'll be random. Imagine if it was Harry and Meg. We'll be on the banknotes. Imagine if Megan was on all the banknotes. I'd be so confused. <laughs> but happy. Suits. <laughs> Her in a suit. <laughs> but yeah, there'll be the monarchy will be in crisis. Mark my words. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, ages ago, Camilla said she wasn't going to take the title of queen, and then like they updated the website recently saying Did they? something about her being queen. Yeah. Did they? Mm. 
Did they? Mm. That's so naughty. No one wants that woman to be Queen of England. Like, but I feel sorry for her. I feel sorry for she her also, too. Also, in that You're Wrong About podcast, they talked about how Camilla was the love of Charles's life. Yes. But Cam- the love of Camilla's life is Andrew Parker Bowles. Who she married. Who she married yeah. when Charles was away, because Charles is all boring and annoying. <laughs> and she married Andrew Parker Bowles, but then Andrew Parker Bowles kept cheating on her their whole marriage. Including, apparently, with Anne, Princess Anne. Yeah, because he was dating Anne before they got married. Yeah, and yeah. then... Um, what, what's wrong with this So incestuous, yeah. Because they don't hang out with anyone that's not, like, billionaires. Yeah, yeah. And then Andrew Parker-Bowles kept cheating on Camilla, and so Camilla went back to Charles because he just doted on her and was obsessed with her. Yes. So that he's not even the so love of her life. So it's not even a great love story. No. <sighs> it's kind of embarrassing that... Diana did that dance for Charles. <laughs> Fully. And when she did the Phantom of the Opera thing, I was laughing so yeah, much. Yeah, to the um, so she did Uptown the, Girl. She did Uptown Girl dancing at the ballet and Charles was really angry. For his birthday. For his birthday. Because he was like, I, you know I don't want this for my birthday. And she was like, true. <laughs> this is just for me. And then at the end of the episode, she does, which apparently is fully true. She did a rendition of Phantom of the Opera on stage with Andrew Lloyd Webber and the full original 80s cast in secret and created four copies of the tape and gave one to Charles for their wedding anniversary. And he was, like, embarrassed because she couldn't sing. <laughs> That's so funny. And I love Phantom of the Opera. I was singing it around the house and Zach was like, shut up. I was like, shut up, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> Let me live, Charles. Um... God, I could just talk about this forever, but we've been recording for four and a half hours. <laughs> now okay. we have to stop. Okay. <laughs> okay. Bye, everybody. Tell me what you think about whether the royals murdered Diana. We'll do a poll on Instagram. <laughs> no, but seriously, watch Unlawful Killing on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get Muhammad fired on the show. Oh, my God, we should. <laughs> he fully would come on. He burnt. The, um, these are like royal emblems. He w- took them to Dodie's grave and burnt these royal, these huge royal things. It's like at the end of Leaving Neverland when they burn all the like Michael Jackson jackets. Yeah. Crazy. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.